0: hoping you start to see yourself the way that I see you. There's a lie out there that says that your self-worth equals your performance plus other people's opinions. I want you to know that's a lie. If you're thinking that life is hopeless, that you cannot change, that you are what you are, then let me free you from that. If you have feelings of shame or hopelessness, let me help you, please my spirit new life and new possibilities are awaiting you are my new precious creation in my hands there is hope i mean this sincerely god today's our our last uh, last time together in this sincerely series where we've been looking at how we see ourselves or how other people see us. Uh, We've been looking at this reality that that, uh, a lot of times we see ourselves, our self-worth, our self-value as the sum total of two kind of big components, either our performance, our ability to meet standards well, or the approval or opinions of other people. If everybody likes us and they're on board with us, then then our our self-worth would be intact. If our standards have all been met, we've been perfect. Things together, and we're doing well, then you are doing well. But if either of those falter, then maybe your self worth isn't intact. And so then it just bleeds over into how we perceive that maybe God is seeing us. And uh, coming to realize that God does not see us the same way that we see ourselves. Coming to realize that, that God sees us as something pretty unique, pretty special, pretty amazing. And then there's this tremendous freedom that comes in realizing that how God sees you just might be who you really are. It's easy to get hung up on viewing yourself in your past mistakes and your past failures, your shortcomings, and kind of get locked in on those mistakes that you've made as being kind of a definition of who you are and also kind of setting the... Because I think it's really possible, and it's often easy for us to find security in our our past mistakes. It's easy for us to find comfort, an odd sort of comfort in our failures. Because I would propose this. I would say that it's easier for us to base our lives on what we already know than the future that we don't really know so when God comes into our life and says, I have this new life for you, I in essence created this new you, well that new you and how to get to the new you is a scary, potentially failure-ridden road, so a lot of times we just opt for the safety of our past mistakes and failures as the definition of who we are, and so we kind of build our lives on this, this rubble of our past mistakes and sins and and failures and it gets us to a lie a common lie the last lie that we're going to look at in this series that i think hits a lot of us and this lie just says that i am what i am i cannot change i'm hopeless well, that's a lie that has bound so many people it's a lie that just really wrecks a lot of people it it in the lives of people. When you believe this lie that I am what I am, I cannot change, I'm hopeless. I'm forever doomed to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. Uh, There's no way that I'm ever going to be this you, this new you that you're talking about. like the trapeze artist that's, that's swinging back and forth on one trapeze, and he knows that if he wants to move on to the new trapeze, he has to let go of the old one. But so many of us are just unwilling or yet unable to let go uh, of our old self to grab the new one that's, that's right there. And so we continue just to be locked on and swing back and forth and think, that life is hopeless, that there is no change available for any of us. And yet that is just so far from the truth of what God has for you and has for me. You ever met those people that seem to be able to come into a relationship with Jesus and then just, man, it's like a 180, who they were before they meet. Jesus, and they are able to change their self-concept, they're able to change their behaviors, they're able to change everything and and move in to the new you. And then there's other of us that, that's just so difficult. We just cannot seem to tear ourselves away from the old self, and we're stuck. We get hung up. I don't know if those of you in this room, the last few weeks, you've been thinking, okay, well, uh, the reality apparently has changed about me. My, my sins have been given to Jesus, and, and I have taken his righteousness. I'm not an enemy of his anymore. I'm now a friend. Any punishment that needed to be given out for any failures or mistakes I've made has already taken place, and that's paid for everything. live a life that that is proof that who I am really is how God sees me. There's so many examples. If you just look around people in your, your own life, you've seen the ones that do it well. They can walk away from the past and embrace what God's called them to. And then others of us that just really struggle. There's one in Scripture, there's, there's one in the Bible that just has always been one of my favorites, and it just really stuck with me as an amazing guy that was able to step into relationship with Jesus and leave his old self-concept and his old values and his old behaviors. And I'd like to act him out for you. Hello. It's nice of you to come. My name is Zacchaeus. And as you can see, I'm an incredibly short man I've been short my whole life and you know that TV series Little People, Big World season one right here I am a small man I am gravitationally challenged I make Danny DeVito look like Goliath okay, that's all I'm saying I'm a short guy I've been scuffling since I was just a little kid I've been stepped on, made fun of for my stature I think I began to overcompensate some areas in my life. I didn't want to feel that way anymore, and so when I grew up, I went headlong into the business world. I tried to make myself feel taller than I actually am. Maybe you would know what that's like. Well, I am now the chief tax collector of Jericho, and this is a good time chief tax collector in Jericho, because we have so many amazing exports, and the Roman government wants to just tax the people like crazy, so this is a good time to be the chief tax collector, because I can beg and borrow and steal and skim a little off the top from this guy, and I can—I uh, took some actually from you right there, ma'am. I'm sorry about that, and from you too. Uh, it's padded my pockets. I'm in good shape, but that's also why I'm Gathering for the commerce that day. They weren't just gathering so they could buy stuff up. The crowd was forming that day because they had heard that a man named Jesus was coming into town. And there were all sorts of people that were clamoring for a position. They just wanted to see him. They're elbowing for a position. I knew this wasn't going to do me much good because their elbows are up here. And so I had to. I had heard that he had done miracles. I had heard that he had taught amazing things. I had heard that he hung out with sinners like me. What really intrigued me, though, was that apparently there was another tax collector, another Jewish tax collector just like me, who had left. Changed his name to Matthew, but but he he left everything. He left all the wealth of being a tax collector to follow this Jesus. So I knew that if I could just get in a position to see him, I would know if he was the real deal. I could just get a glimpse of his face, and I, I would know if he was a liar. I could spot a liar. tree it was about 30 or 40 feet tall and i thought man i'll just climb up i'll get up in the tree and maybe from there i can see him because i'm too short to see over the crowd everybody's so tall what's the matter the crowd began to skirmish over here i could i could sense the presence that maybe this jesus was coming so it's time to get into the tree i ran over to the tree coming through the crowd all sorts of people there were some people that were crying and some people that were laughing and cheering and celebrating and some people that were just turning their backs and walking away I think some people were upset but but I could kind of make out his face and just as soon as I was beginning to catch a glimpse of his expression tiny little guy who's everybody here hates me because i ripped them off and he's locking eyes with me are you looking at me and then he looked up and This is this is not possible. You can't stop I uh, no, I do. I have an incredible house, but, but no, you you wanna come over? Sure. Okay. If that's what you want. And Jesus came over to my house. I later found out that this was the Son of God as he came into my house. He sat down. He began to tell things to me about me that I had never heard before. He began to tell me about himself. He began to tell me about God. He began to fill in the blanks. were going to change, and that my behaviors needed to change. But for the first time in my life, now I had a friend who would allow me to change those things. Now I had a friend to be the strength to give me to change these things. And so I told him what I was going to do. And now I tell you. He said I would and failures and embrace the new you, it's possible through this amazing relationship with Jesus. And so that lie, I am what I am, I cannot change, I'm hopeless, may have been something that Zacchaeus considered about himself once he got far enough down the road and four choices. He may have hit a point where he just went, well, this is who I'm going to be the entire rest of my life. But there was something so powerful about that relationship. I think Zacchaeus really got the power that was supposed to come in a relationship with Jesus. But bigger than that, I, I think he got something pretty huge. I think he got that for him to change behavior in his life, to focus on the behaviors he needed to change. I think he got that the key to changing behavior was to focus on this new relationship with Jesus. And that from the inside out, something would allow him to change. Something from the inside out would allow him to become that new person that Jesus was talking about, that Jesus saw in him. room have at some level bought into the lie that says, I am what I am, I cannot change, I am hopeless. I don't know how many of you, shame is just kind of an umbrella that you live under constantly. But this is the last talk in this series, and so here's your last little quiz, just to maybe identify whether or not this been an issue for you, this idea of shame, hopelessness, feelings of inability to change. I'm going to read 10 statements. If you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, then this is all I'm doing. I'm reading these 10 statements, these 10 issues. And as I read these, make a mental evaluation of yourself on how you struggle with these issues. Maybe you kind of rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 this issue all the time or one being not at all five somewhere in in between read these statements kind of make a mental evaluation this may give some indication at some level if you've bought into this lie that you Experiences of rejection. Number two, there are certain things about my past that I cannot recall without experiencing strong, painful emotions. For example, guilt, shame, anger, fear, and so on. Number three, I seem to make the same mistakes over and over again. Number four, there are certain aspects of my character that I want to change but I don't believe I can ever successfully do so. Number five, I feel inferior. Number six, there are aspects of my appearance that I cannot accept. Number seven, I am generally disgusted with myself. Number eight, I feel that certain experiences have basically ruined As an immoral person. And number 10, I feel that I have lost the opportunity to experience a complete and wonderful life. that at some point in your life, I think a vast majority of us in here have just kind of felt a sense of of hopelessness, much less an ability to become the person that God sees us to be. That seems like miles and miles away. And yet, the reality is, is that it has already occurred in you if you have a relationship with Jesus, new you is already here. And so getting then to the point where you begin to live it out in a way that you're living out the new you, you're making choices that the new you would make, the real you would make, the way that God sees you would make, that needs God's help. And instead of getting stuck, focused on all the the stuff and the sin and the mistakes, I think God's calling us to focus on Him. Focus on what he's already done. We've given our sins to Jesus. He's given us his righteousness. He's taken us from being enemies to being friends. And then he has poured out his wrath and punishment for any mistake. And the payment that was made was sufficient, it was enough. A couple of questions for you. Which is more powerful? Or sin or God's ability to overcome it? Can man's sin be superior to Christ's payment for it? And lastly, like if it, can God who spoke the universe into being, if he could do that, something old and broken down and change it into something new? Certainly he could. And he already has. That's my proposal. Check this out. This, this, you know what? Wouldn't it be cool if when you became a Christian, you just turned purple? Wouldn't it be sweet if you stepped into a relationship with Jesus, you received him as your Lord and Savior, and suddenly green spots appeared on your body to prove that something had actually happened, that you prayed that prayer, and there was some physical Jesus suddenly appeared written on your forehead, something like that, to help you really get it that some significant change had just happened? I wish that that had taken place sometimes other than the fact that it would freak all of you out. But I kind of wish that that would happen because you step into a relationship with Jesus and then you you wake up the next morning you look totally the same. And so this concept that now you're a new you is just so hard because you don't see it every single day. But God has gone to great pains to communicate the significant change that has happened in you that receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so I think it's time for us to start taking him at his word. You don't look purple, but you are. And what if we really took this seriously? I think the more that we dial into his truth, dial into that relationship, then I think the rest of the stuff that you have questions about start to be answered. The issues that you continue to struggle with and deal with, the closer you draw to him and that relationship and his truth and his word, I think a great deal of the issues that you deal with will begin to fall away. And this speaks to this concept that we're looking at last one today, this doctrinal issue called Regeneration. And out of you when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's the renewing work. It's an ongoing renewing work. It starts the moment you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. You are complete. You are the new you. But then the Holy Spirit and all the power of that component of the Trinity of God resides in you. Romans says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive that cannot conquer uh, addictions, if that can't conquer repetitive mistakes, if that can't overcome things in your life, I I don't know what can. But I think we get hung up in in these issues in our life not because we're not trying to stop them, not because we don't have enough strength to change them. If you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, I am what I am, I am hopeless, I cannot change, here's the reality. You're can't change. You're hopeless. You are what you are without Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, no hope. Without Jesus, you are what you are. Without Jesus, no ability to change. You cannot, no matter how much strength you muster, you will not overcome addictions or struggles or whatever it is in your life that Until that power of the living God dives into you, that you have the ability to overcome it. And then from that mo- moment on, that you would continue to, to tap into this power source of the Holy Spirit that he's given you through this concept of regeneration. The Holy Spirit does not come and go, he's in you, and whether you choose to Check this out. Look at Titus. Titus is a little book in the New Testament right after the Timothys. Titus chapter 3. You'll get a pretty good working definition of regeneration. were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. It's a lot like Zacchaeus. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy this is the key to this regeneration. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become This isn't just, when you go into this relationship with Jesus, this isn't just an exchanging of ledgers. It's not just a new reality, but it's an ongoing renewal. It's an ongoing, it's a new birth. And then the old person that you once were is just, it's not there anymore. In God's perspective. He's not seeing who you once were. He sees who you could be. So, how do we get to that person? Look at 2 Corinthians. Go back to the left in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This states it plain and simple. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Familiar verse, um, probably, to a lot of you. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, in Christ. He is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. This is the truth about how God sees you. You you are brand new. The new you is already here. Now, will you reach out for that trapeze is is the only question. Look at Galatians. Move to the right. Uh, Just a book. One, One book over chapter 2 verse 20 another foundational verse it says I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me the life I live in the body I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me this regeneration thing is about the reality that Jesus is in you while you cannot change, while you are hopeless, while you would always be stuck just being who you are, God orchestrated it knowing that you could not change. He put the one who can change inside the one who can't change. He put this Jesus who has the power of all the universe inside of you. And that you diving into that constant fellowship with him you're nurturing that relationship with him. You focusing on Jesus more than your past. You focus on Jesus more than your future. You focus on Jesus more than your mistakes and your shortcomings. I think that's where we go wrong. That then, from the inside out, he begins to do the work. He begins to work begins to bring that new you into into life, and he will continue to do so. Look at Philippians, just a couple more books to the right, Philippians chapter 1, last verse that we're turning to, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus this regeneration work this tied in relationship that was meant to give you the power to change give you the power to have hope give you the power to be the new you is never going to leave you Jesus will continue this work of renewal if you consistently tie in to him there have to be addictions, there have to be, um, if it's not addiction level, there have to be sins and things that you're just consistently finding yourself getting trapped up in, making the same mistake over and over again. There may be things in your past that you don't deal with now that still have this umbrella of shame over you that kind of define who you are. But I would just ask you, I, I would plea with you, I would beg with you, that in light of all. Right now, in light of what regeneration says for us, in light of what the Spirit wants to do in and through you, here's what I say. Don't try to stop doing any of that stuff. Don't try to get over your addiction. Don't try to change your behavior. Instead, focus on Jesus. Instead of expending energy that we expend trying to change our own behaviors feeling guilty and shameful here's what I propose focus on him here's what I mean mistakes, we do sin, there's moments of failure in our life, and, and that begins to color our life in, in dark ways, and we try to address this in different different fashions. But I think the, the normal way that we go about this is that we go, well, I sinned, I blew it, I need to change this behavior because I know that this is not really who I am, this is not who I should be. And so we ask for forgiveness, we try to stop doing it, forgiveness comes. We're fine for a little while, but at the end of the day, it leaves us with an empty cup. It leaves us with an empty life. And when we get tired, when we get under the gun, and you don't want to feel empty anymore, we go for the quick fix. We go for the thing that's just going to fill us up. We go for sinful stuff, failures, mistakes, whatever. that God never wanted us to fill it with. But here's what I think regeneration says. Here's what I think the truth of God is calling us to. Not that we would focus on this stuff that's inside the cup and consistently in our own strength trying to get rid of it, but that we would pour uh, the living water of Jesus into our souls, that we would connect with Jesus deeply, deeply, that he has called himself the living water, that he's, he's just desiring to pour himself out onto us. So don't worry about the stuff. Don't worry about the mistakes. Don't worry about these issues. Instead, just open yourself to his life-giving water. Don't try to stop what you're doing that's wrong. There'll be time for that. Pretty soon, you're not going to have the desire to do the stuff that's wrong. Jesus continues to pour and pour and pour day after day after day into you. As you get into his word, maybe once a day, maybe twice a day, maybe for some of you that are really deep into this lie that you cannot change, maybe you need to be connecting with Jesus five or six times a day in different ways. Maybe you need to connect with a life group. Maybe you need to dial into the mind on Tuesday nights. Maybe you need to get involved in a Bible study. Maybe you just need to meet with some other believers that are going to of Jesus Christ, that as his love and power continues to pour into you, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, you will be left with a completely different life. All of that stuff that you think you cannot change will be completely displaced. that you will be left with a full life you will be left filled with the love and truth of jesus christ instead of the lies that want to occupy your attention this is what is offered to you today to this end just got like five more minutes, honest, honestly, and this last song that we sing, whatever it is on any given week, is just a an amazing moment for you to kind of soak in the truth of maybe what God's just said to you before you go out and get hit with the real world. and say